0: All right, welcome everybody, this is Derek Bodner. joined by Rich Hoffman here live from, I always say live, but we're not live, this isn't going to be released live, but we're in person. Me and you are sitting close to each other as we report, record this podcast from a hidden corner of the Wells Fargo Center. How you doing, Rich? I'm good,
1: buddy. they uh, we're, we're taking a page out of our friends' Bow and Shields book, recording a podcast after a game. In, I think they usually do it in Meryl Reese's uh, <laughs> announcing booth. We, uh, we are not there. We are kind of just in a random room here.
0: We'll have to ask Zoo next time. Hey, can we record up in your booth? I, mean, <laughs> I think he'd be okay with that.
1: Yeah, he'd, he'd come on. Uh, of course, I, the I'm booth do- here
0: isn't quite the same. You'd have all the workers, you know, putting the arena away, so to speak, taking everything down. It would be quite loud and probably not a great spot for it.
1: Probably not great. I think we picked the right spot. Also, in the right spot, the Sixers.
0: They are. They're playing well, man. They are now 17-8. and eight. They've won eight of their last nine games. They're 13-1 and one at home, with the one loss being to the gosh darn Cleveland Cavaliers, which you wouldn't have picked if, if, if you had a choice. They are playing well. They're playing well post-Jimmy Butler. Ben Simmons has sort of rebounded from an adjustment period in the first two games. I posted before a game. I think he was averaging about 18 points a game on 60% shooting from the field. Had another real good one tonight. 19 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 8 of 10 shooting. couple turnovers, but that is to be expected. He's playing well. The team's playing well. And I guess we'll start off there. What are your overall impressions of how they're playing right now? Yeah, and I think
1: Ben's almost the, he's kind of the barometer for for how well they're playing. And tonight, against a Memphis team that is, not, I guess should actually look at them before they, uh, I say they're a good defensive team, they're a good defensive team, top five <laughs> in the NBA. He comes out. And he just drives the ball right down their throat, and they, they jump out. I don't know if it was like 10-3, to 3, I think it was, to start the game. And yeah, when Ben gets going in transition, and he can find shooters, and they're getting stops, like this is going to be a really tough team to deal with. I uh, I think tonight, I was really impressed. He had a play, a couple plays at the end of the game. One, he made a great save offensively uh, in the fourth quarter, and they, they eventually got a Jimmy Butler layup. And then at the end, like, I think the Grizzlies were only trailing by four, driving to kind of in transition to make it a two-point game. Ben just chases a guy down because he's so freaking fast. Like, it's unbelievable how much quicker he's moving than other NBA players. So the fact that he made, like, winning plays tonight, it was good. And, And, like... The last two games here, I'm not going to lie, they were kind of boring. They they played the New York Knicks who I know they've gotten some wins recently, but they just they didn't have it on Wednesday night. They weren't making any shots. And then Washington, I mean the dysfunction on that team. Like, my my god, it was brutal to watch them play. So for the Sixers to beat a team that's playing well, veteran team, good team. They should feel pretty good. They have a uh, they have a litmus test game on Wednesday night and they have not done so well.
0: They they do and they have not. And, you know, I think you're you're right. Ben Simmons is a pretty good barometer for how well this team is playing. There's been a lot of concern over his long-term status with this core if he doesn't improve his jumper. And there's validity to that. And I think you can go too far on that. I think some people have. Without name, <laughs> like, uh, names, uh, I think you can go too far with that concern. I think he's still going to be a very good player. But in order to be the best version of Ben Simmons, in order to be that top 20, top 15, even top 10 potential that he has, he's going to have to develop that jumper. But he's done a much better job recently of finding ways to contribute offensively, even without that. You know, he did a good job searching out early clock sort of advantages, attacking the defense really before it's set today, searching out early post-up opportunities. And like you said, defensively, he was shot out of a can. He was great on that side of the court. He has been great at various points this season, and we talk so much about offensive fit and i agree there's some concern there's there is some concern about his fit with joel embiid offensively throw in you know jimmy butler and there's some concern but we never talk about defensive fit and right now when you put jimmy butler jj redick ben simmons and joel embiid on the basketball court they're really freaking good
1: they're uh, i guess I should, we should look up those numbers at some point but they well, I, mean, I, I wrote
0: about it before today i don't have post um you know games after the or numbers after the Memphis Grizzlies game but they were a plus 16.3 I believe net rating in obviously limited minutes
1: but i mean that's that's pretty much like last year's starting lineup and yeah it's that's what you're looking for i know uh you know jimmy still seems to be finding his way a little bit on offense brett talked a lot about that after the game about how he's not trying to call too many plays he wants them to kind of just flow in the similar offense and get you know, not have him have to micromanage the game twenty four seven, and I think they're doing a pretty good job. Offense has not been the problem no. for them when, you know, when Colin Sexton and D'Angelo Russell are Thanks. shooting a hundred percent on Hood. mid on mid range yeah. jumpers, they've struggled a little bit, but I think you know, I think offensively they've been like a top ten team since they've gotten Butler. I've been,
0: I think impressed. they're to top ten on the season now, actually. Yeah,
1: yeah, but they it has not fallen off with Jimmy there. I thought, you know, while the defense has been a little concerning, the last couple weeks they've played some bad teams, uh, they're not, not juggernaut offenses the last week here, I've been impressed with how those guys have fit together. Yeah. It seems like Ben and Jimmy have a good chemistry, like whether it's early offense, those hit ahead passes over the top, or that, that one play they run a million times a game where Ben's posting up and he can hand it off to Jimmy, It's, it's been good. and. Jimmy says he's having a lot of fun. We'll uh we'll see how that goes, you know, if uh if the team's not playing poorly, but they or uh, if they start to take a step back, but they're uh they're playing well right now. I think you should be fairly happy as a Sixers fan about how they're going.
0: Yeah, and that's that's an interesting point that I don't really want to get into, but a lot of you know, people will see like Jimmy Butler buying shoes for people in the front office. What a great and, teammate. Right. And look, there are certainly positive aspects to Jimmy Butler. There is certainly, I don't think, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that things will go south. But I think a lot of times in these situations, and frankly it happens with young players too, where you see the positives real early, then you focus on the negatives, and the pendulum swings a little too far. And I think sort of like player evaluation, I try to keep a little bit of an even keel on this. And I I don't think anybody you talk to will say Jimmy Butler is a bad guy. I think what people will say is that there are aspects of his personality that can become grating over time. And I think that cumulative effect is more of what happens than he shows up and just pisses people off. So I'm not telling you that Jimmy Butler is going to be a problem. I'm saying that a couple of weeks isn't proof that certain aspects of his personality couldn't become grating to probably the wrong people. And I think maybe you could say that Chicago and Minnesota might have had the wrong personality types to pair with Jimmy Butler, and we'll find out if that's true if the Sixers do sign that long-term deal. But like most things... Don't overreact to short-term kind of ebbs and flows.
1: I do think, as somebody uh, barges in on us, I guess uh, it has not been established that it's <laughs> our room yet. Uh, Put a Sixers beat sign on the door. Real, yeah, people will be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, r- real quick, plus 15.6 in 150 minutes, there those four go. guys together. That's it's pretty good, pretty, go. pretty, pretty, pretty good. I think the
0: numbers I grabbed were from cleaning the glass. Okay. So there's probably a little bit of fluctuation because first of all people define possessions differently which is frustrating yeah. but also Ben tries to you know filter out garbage time. So they should be within the same ballpark they are within the same ballpark. Very good lineup.
1: The, they're doing good. They're,
0: they're doing well. Yes. They're do,
1: they're doing good. Yeah. They uh as far as the personalities go, I I do think like on first watch the Sixers have the right level of personalities. You could tell after tonight's game, Butler was talking about Simmons, like, "Man, I loved how hard he plays." And they have these these side bets, and you know, they're the headband bros, and all these things. It, it does seem, though, that like Jimmy Butler wants people to play hard around him. That's not really a problem around here. And
0: that's the other day, you know, Brett Brown made mention that he was asking, um, he was asking Butler to kind of take Simmons under his wing defensively. Uh, And that is something where at LSU, you would have said, Simmons, that might be an issue for Jimmy Butler. Because LSU, Ben Simmons, did not give the kind of effort that Jimmy Butler enjoys to play alongside of. So the fact that we don't really have to question that at all with these guys is, you know, a credit to Ben Simmons and a credit to Brett Brown for getting him to this point to where he's locked in defensively.
1: Those headbands are pretty big, by the way.
0: They are. They're not. I I would not rock those.
1: No. No. no, If they're going to
0: play well, keep doing it.
1: I think it would be funny if TJ it, too, but there's <laughs> one there's,
0: day we have we have a, we one day we had to show up to like a the af, uh, the athletic meeting with a meetup with uh with headbands on.
1: No, we don't. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, they uh, TJ's another guy plays really hard, and you know again things seem to be going well. You know they have Toronto and Detroit. That's kind of a tough road this week, but I you know as far as like. Playing, I, I knew we, I said we weren't going to talk about him but I have to mention it that they were playing Markel Foltz in the starting lineup at the beginning of the year, and you know they were integrating new pieces. and Wilson Chandler hasn't been healthy; he again missed tonight's game. Muscala hasn't been healthy. For them to be seventeen and eight, I know Brett Brown said he he doesn't look at record, and I think that's the right way to look at it. You want to? It's like how the team is playing matters to him more. But with the team sort of rounding into form after winning all those freaking close games. They should feel you know, pretty good about where they are right yeah, now, I and think.
0: I, like I think record matters a little bit. Like You'd rather pick up these wins when you're not playing great than not pick up these wins. I mean,
1: that's what the, that's how the playoffs get seeded. And yeah. At the end of the your, year, your that's going to
0: matter for your, seeding. Your yeah. net
1: rating is not giving not, your home court advantage.
0: No, that's true. <laughs> and But you, you, what that comes with, yes, it's great they're winning now, but they have to also kick it up into another gear, especially starting Wednesday when some of these tougher teams come into town or they go out to Toronto for that tougher team. Real quick before we get into some of the, the p- other pieces, a word from DraftKings. Everyone has that one atrocious fantasy draft that ruins your entire season, making the rest of the season an effort in futility where you've practically lost all interest in the league. If you're in a keeper league, maybe you can start making moves that you may pay off 18 months down the road. It doesn't have to be that way, and playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings is the best way to put your basketball knowledge to the test. DraftKings is giving away over $400 million in prizes this season. It's not the case anymore, but back in the day, before that sports franchise bubbled, that would have been enough to buy your own NBA team. It's a lot of money. No matter what your skill level is, there's a contest waiting for you at DraftKings. Drafting your team is simple. Just select eight players and stay under the $50,000 salary cap. The best part is you get to draft a new team every day without any long-term commitment. There's no better way to turn your love of basketball into cash. To download the app, head on over to DraftKings.com now and use our code Sixers to support the show and enter a free contest with your first deposit. And remember, there will be $400 million in total prizes up for grabs throughout the season. That's code Sixers to play for free with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings.com. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. Moving on to the rest of the team outside of those top four. You have, you know, like you said, Wilson Chandler took a knee to the thigh. Bro Brown expects him to be available for Wednesday's game against Toronto. Mike Muscala started at the four. Before that, he had been converted to almost solely a backup, or getting all of the backup five minutes that weren't in blowout situations. How do you think those two specifically have looked of late and in those roles that they're now placed in?
1: It's good to see Moose less of the four. I know he was pressed into duty tonight because Wilson was hurt, but I think we've said on this podcast for a while and in our writing that we didn't really care what the numbers said at the beginning of the year. The Amir Moose lineups are just—that's not going to cut it. And spoiler
0: alert: the numbers, the numbers don't
1: now say they—they <laughs> yeah, they now negative
0: seventeen point nine net rating when those two are on the floor, heading into the tonight's game.
1: And and look, I you know we criticized Brett about that, and I do think he hung on to Amir a little bit too long. But to be fair to him, like Moose and Wilson were not available for most of the year, so you know it, he hasn't had a full deck to work with. I uh. I think it's. Been, I think they've played pretty well. I mean, we, we kind of joke about calling Wilson Jan- Chandler a three and D wing. Like, yeah.
0: I, I like the way Brown. I'm not a hundred percent sure he's really good at either of those in the stages of his career. But I'm yes.
1: not. Yeah, and I, I think he'll have up and down nights. Like, I mean, God, do you remember when we were in Orlando? Like, he almost won that game for them at the end with yeah. all that, all the scoring. But then, then there are times like when you ISO Wilson. I'm not <laughs> yeah. like. He might shoot an air ball or two, <laughs> you, you know. Like he didn't play that well the other night against Washington either. So, you know, I, I think those guys are like, you know, they're not like top end bench players, but you know, I think you can you can get by with this level of top talent. I mean, the Sixers are a top heavy team, man. And honestly, like the guy who I'm more excited about is the Cork. Yeah, the Cork
0: has been popped. He man. has. He's been playing significant minutes, and he's been playing decently too. And that's gonna bring people. That's going to frustrate people all year because they obviously declined that that third-year rookie option, which makes him a free agent, an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season, limits how much the Sixers can offer him. And, you know, at the time, they were getting real close to being able to offer a max contract next summer. They were within a million or two, I think, of being able to do that after declining that option. And I think that weighed heavily on their minds. And you obviously wonder, you know, could they have just traded him and you know, traded him to somebody with cap space next summer. Um, my biggest gripe about that, though, is that they never really gave him a chance on the court to evaluate him against NBA players. And I get that last year was tough with the Liz Frank injury. He came back towards the end of the season, hard to put a rookie who wasn't ready in that kind of a playoff run. But I think it was Jim Adair who tweeted at me today that prior to not to declining that option, he was playing about five minutes per game. And Brett Brown has sort of been forced into integrating him into this rotation. He's responded by playing well. He's making his shots. It looks like he's playing a little bit better defense, although he's always going to have concerns on that end. But it would have been nice to get this run in before you had to make that decision. And like I said, some fans I think are going to regret him playing well. I still think the best option, because Sixers are a team that A, needs shooting, and B, needs depth. And if he plays, even if he's only a short-term piece... He could be a useful short-term piece for a team that needs his skill set.
1: Yeah, EB thought about handing out his own Philly Max to somebody right. else, maybe, and that kind of got in the way. I, yeah, it's it sucks that Cork playing well. There's a damper over it because it's like, well, he's a freaking free agent after yeah. after this season. So yeah, that that's things, but like him playing the wing spot, yeah, as a backup. I mean, God, like he's he's moving the ball pretty well, and, and like I agree with you. His defense is never going to be good, but like I, Brett made a good point today. He's like, well, he is long. Like it, when he's in the right spot, like right. it's harder to shoot but over it's him. But keeping him
0: in that right spot—that is the challenge.
1: Oh yeah, and he, and there there are nights like he won't be in the right spot. Like
0: I'm pretty sure you and I could pick him off with of the screen, and we're not exactly the biggest dudes on the court.
1: When they play him and Shamit together, it's not exactly like the strongest two players right. in the world. Like those those two dudes need to get in the weight room a little bit and. That's still not going to solve many of their problems either. Yeah, I, I've been impressed by Furkan. And, like, you know, for a team that at the beginning of the year, it was just like, oh, they have six guys. And Korkmaz was sitting on the bench, and we didn't really think that much of him. But it's like you said, maybe he just didn't have the opportunity. And some yeah. wings, you know, some wings take a little while to get going. I never could understand, like, his numbers in international play this year were actually pretty good. I didn't really watch too many of those games, but, you know, like playing for the Turkish national team, he played pretty well. We saw him in summer league, the one game he had like 100, 40, yeah. 100 points, 40, okay, same thing, uh, against the Celtics where he went nuts. And then he was terrible the rest of the rest of the trip. So I it helps, man. Like when you have Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons, these shot creators on the court, like a guy that can freaking make a shot. And like you said tonight, I do like that when he gets the ball, like, up high around his chin, like, yep. he just shoots it right away, like, it doesn't take, he's the anti-Omri Caspi, in right. that sense. As, as a point of reference, by the way, Ooh. Derek, uh, Kyle, and I were, uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we've we seen some pretty weird shooting motions around here in our time, it's not like, we're, it's foreign to see somebody, like, <laughs> right. l- look a little crazy, Omri Caspi's shooting motion was, I don't think I've ever seen anything like no. it.
0: No, and he's always had a low release. It seems like it's even lower, but beyond that, it's almost like you try to do a one-motion shot on a release that, we were joking, the set point seems like it's down around his waist, and it's just a weird, weird-looking shot. that doesn't look like he should be able to ever get it off in an NBA game. To his credit, he made a decent amount in warm-ups. It was just an, oh, my God, what is that kind of moment.
1: And we don't usually get those when we're watching the other team. No. <laughs> Usually, usually that's we keep that in the house. Uh, yeah, so I mean, like the the whole team's playing well. I I think it's a little bit of a bummer that Jonah Bolden is hurt because I actually was kind of impressed in the little run he got. That and they it,
0: they could use another big man like that.
1: Yeah, because yeah. then Moose, you know, crap, you could have started Bolden night, you know, just to keep Moose on the bench and in that uh in that role, you know. And I I do think this is a team, you know, we, we'll always talk about Joel's minutes.
0: Uh. Yeah, played uh, a played played 30, tonight. 37. 37 tonight. Yeah.
1: I don't know if he's still leading the league, but he's pretty close. If not, uh, what do you? I don't think we've talked about that on a podcast or anything. What do you think they should be like? He's playing too many minutes. Too I, many
0: damn minutes, absolutely.
1: So what? What do you do? You just say like, you're playing 32 minutes tonight. That's it. Do you just like lessen the uh, rotation a little bit?
0: I mean, I'd experiment some. I'd like to see some more Ben Simmons at the 5. It seems like they pulled that out for a game or two and then kind of ditched it. Uh, I would play... See, it would be great to play a lot more small ball, but you just don't... When you do that, you start getting into, like, TJ and Corkmaz and Shamit lineups that you just don't want to get into.
1: And then Korkmaz gets bullied and there's right. nobody to protect the rim.
0: Right. So there aren't many great options. They certainly need... You know, another bigger wing. They certainly need another point of attack defender where maybe you could put these small ball lineups where you don't have to rely on Ben Simmons or Jimmy Butler to defend the point of attack as much as they currently do. They just don't, in a perfect world, Muscala and Amir Johnson, when you need him, should be able to get you 14 to 15 minutes of rest for Joel Embiid. That's all you really need. But right now they're using them at the four so much they don't have the perimeter and wing defenders to really allow Ben Simmons to play at the four as much as you would want to get away with something like this or play at the four defensively as much as you would want to get away with something like this. They just don't have the personnel right now. But, I mean, what they need to do is sort of like what they did this week where they just blew teams out, where you don't let Phoenix stick around like you did, where you put your you know foot on the Cavs, which they didn't. Uh, that's good. And also you need Muscala to play well at the at the five. And you need Wilson Chandler to get back and, and
1: play. And you need your deep bench guys. You need to trust them and not yeah. cough up the lead, which Brett, I don't think he did in the Knicks game. To his credit, he fixed it against Washington. He said, I'm going to let Furkan and, and yeah, Shake give us a uh, a thrill. Well,
0: I think, I think part of that was also that the Knicks showed they at least gave a shit and yeah. Washington didn't. And I think Brett probably, besides learning from his mistake, and I think he did to some degree, but I think there was also a little bit of, well, I don't. I don't think Washington has it in them to come back from this one. Their lack of not giving a shit. They're incredible. What a brutal team to yeah, root for. We talked about that. We would covering that team. Look, we covered some bad freaking basketball. We're not adverse to that, but there was nothing interesting about that team, and they just don't look like they care or they like each other. And where
1: and where's your future too? You're trying to win now. Like at least the Sixers. Like they, there was no promise of them being good, but like. There was a plan to being good at some yeah. point. yeah. And those teams also, they gave effort. They lost by 30, but they gave effort. Joe is down. Before tonight's game, he was down to sixth in minutes played. So, progress. Behind Kevin Durant, both Holiday brothers, Clay Thompson, and Zach Levine.
0: And it sounds so stupid. We talk about, like, four minutes a game. But I think Spike brought this up recently. Four minutes a game over an 82-game season. You're talking about, like, nine games worth of minutes. Like, it does add up. It does help keep him fresh for April and May and maybe even June. Um, who knows about the injury? You know, I think Tom Havershow has probably written an article or two about that. Might help there. Uh, I think specifically he wrote one at the time that Cousins went out last year. There are just a whole lot of reasons you want to see those minutes, even if Joel's not going to sit very many games, and I think right now it's pretty clear that Joel isn't interested in sitting all that many That's games. That's the other problem. <sighs> but keeping those minutes to a manageable level for a 7'2 player of his size with his lower body injury history, I do think it's something they have to... And Brett talks about prioritizing it all the time. And then he comes out in a game, and he's playing 38 minutes. I get that it's tough to do. I get that you don't necessarily have the personnel to do it, but it has to be a priority. It
1: has to. It, one of the benefits, I earlier in the week I wrote about the, the pick-and-roll defense and kind of how Joe hanging back, you know, they, they surrendered all these mid-range jumpers, which, you know, it looks good on the stat sheet. It's like, oh, that was hot shooting. They got lucky. But you also were just, like, letting guys walk right into mid-range jumpers. I do wonder if, like, that conservative coverage, I, I got frustrated watching them splash those jumpers because, like, yeah. Joe can get out there. On the other hand, it's like, well, at least he's kind of conserving some energy, yep. right? Like, he's like.
0: And some of those three-pointers, too, that he takes, like, it's a lot of work to bang bodies down low like that. Like, yeah, maybe he's not the greatest three-point shooter in the world, although I th- I, I still believe that over time he will get that up to, you know, 34%, 35 36%. Like, I think he's a talented enough shooter. And he's shown enough mid-range that he's going to get that shot out there. But, yeah, maybe 30%, 31%, whatever he's shooting on a season isn't what you would want. But I think part of it is that Beng does take a lot out of him.
1: I, I don't think we're seeing him, like, totally in conservation mode yet. No. But we're starting to see some signs of it, right? Yeah, he's like
0: playing like, like 35 minutes a night. And having to play both ends and carrying a huge load offensively and relied upon as much as anyone in the league defensively, like, it's
1: a lot of work. Two yeah. years ago, and even at the beginning of last year, when he was not playing back-to-backs and he was getting nights off, he was jumping into, like, the third row twice yeah. a game. You don't see that
0: anymore. Thank God.
1: Thank God. But, uh, yeah, it's it sucks because, like, I think Spike had a, had a thing today. Why isn't he getting more MVP buzz? I agree with that. Like... I think as the team starts taking off a little bit, you know, and it, it wasn't his fault that they were playing poorly, uh, or, or they were up and down or whatever. Like he should get more MVP buzz. I, his numbers are like freaking Shaq if you just look at his counting stats, which a lot of MVP voters do. And you combine that with like really good defense. I, I just it sucks that you have to worry. Like ugh, he's he's finally here and he's finally playing so great, and now it's like, ugh, is he playing too much?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. This yeah, is
1: the uh, this is the path we've taken, though. Jaron Jackson, by the way, really oh, en- really enjoyed watching fun. him tonight. Super fun. I I put him on the same level as Kemba Walker as like a guy who's like not a superstar in the league, and you know you watch him on TV and you're like, oh yeah, he's fun, he's good. When you watch him in person though, it's like wow, like the way that guy moves like a
0: gazelle. Yeah, he does, and he was he was impacting everything around the rim. He was coming from all over the court to alter those shots. He would have been, you know, I think you had him you have him? No, you had him two. I had him two. I, I had him three. I'm really regretting that. He is very fun to watch. His game is translated. He's making his outside shots. I think it was only one for four from three today. But he's taking them. He's making them. He looks he looks real good. He, and he's like super young. Was he like 19? I think yeah. still. Super young, playing at a high level right now. He's going to be fun to watch. All right. We'll get into the upcoming schedule real quick. But before that, a word from Action Heat, the Philadelphia-based manufacturer of some of the world's best battery heated clothing. Stay warm this winter with heat on demand and at the touch of a button. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees Fahrenheit and are powered by rechargeable 5 volt lithium ion batteries that can last up to 12 hours on each charge. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them. These gifts are perfect for any friend or family on your holiday shopping gift list, or for anyone who works outdoors, for skiers or snowboarders, or anybody that loves the outdoors but hates being cold. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, starting at just $39.99. Heated products include heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns, and is available in men's and women's sizes, and with great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you warm and toasty even in the most frigid winter weather. I've recently purchased a set of wool heated socks, which include two lithium polymer power packs, which can deliver heat for up to eight hours, which I can't wait to try out during the upcoming snowboarding season. Join in the fun. We've got a special offer for our listeners to save 20% off your entire order. You should go to actionheat.com slash Sixers to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash Sixers, or use our coupon code Sixers at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty and warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. All right, they move on now. Like we said, winners of eight of the last nine, playing well, playing mostly against sub-bar competition. You had the Pelicans in there. You had the Jazz in there. Tonight against, against Memphis was a good opponent, but there's a lot of Knicks... A lot of wizards, Phoenix, a lot of Phoenix, a lot of Cavs, which still I'm sure keeps Brett Brown up at night. <laughs> Kept Jimmy Butler up at night. He he mentioned that they didn't bring their they overlooked the opponent on that one game they lost at home and let us to deduce who he was talking about, but they're thirteen and one at home, so even I can figure this one out. But they're gonna have a much more difficult challenge coming up. They have the Raptors in Toronto. On Wednesday, a team they really got blown out against early in the season. It was not a competitive game, was not the best game they have played. Obviously, it's a different team now. Sixers have Jimmy Butler, but the Raptors, I believe have reeled off eight in a row. They will be rested. they, pl- they play in Toronto on Monday and then have the day off, so it's not like you have a back to back to kind of you know help you out in that regard. Are we putting too much into this one game in, the, in early December by calling it a measuring stick, or is it truly something you look to for that?
1: Yes, we're putting too much into it. Uh, it's one regular season game. I mean, we we said this at the beginning of the year. Like, they're prob- the Sixers are going to win, you know, X amount of games. They're going to be in the playoffs. We, the Raptors are the same way. We care about playing their best basketball, you know, when
0: it actually matters. I mean, last time we freaked out about a regular season game was against Boston, to open up the season, and Boston has just been out of sorts ever since.
1: Yeah, and the problem with that is, well, it's a one-game sample size, so your whole season has sucked to to that point. Uh, you would like to see them play a little better, though. Like, I mean, God, they played the three, you know, the three other contenders in the East, I guess, if we're calling Milwaukee, Boston, and uh, Toronto. That, although they did play Indiana's pretty good too, and they they, they played well. Uh, In Indy, but against those other three teams, they got their doors blown off all three times. And it's like, guys, can we just be competitive, like in one of these games? And guess what? They didn't have Jimmy Butler for any of those games. And though I think a a few of those were on back to backs too, which, like, look, it's not a total excuse. Like teams have to play back to backs. You, it works the other way too.
0: I think I think Toronto specifically was on a back to back, wasn't it? Yeah. So I, you know, it's they're freaking
1: good though, man. Like they.
0: Kawhi. And they're freaking deep too. Ugh.
1: I mean, it, how many wings does that team yeah. have? Like, they're bringing Nobi off the bench, and or uh, and then they have like you know, C.J. Miles, and Danny DeLon Green, Wright, and, yeah. and Delon Wright, yeah. and Norman Powell is is there. They're just they're just a very good basketball team. And with Kawhi, they've obviously raised their ceiling a little bit, trading him uh, for DeRozan. So, like, I I don't think I think earlier in the year. When they were getting their doors blown off in every game, I was a little more concerned. Now that they have Butler, I think the calculus is a little bit different. They might have a little more, you know, a little more leeway, hopefully, from the fan base uh, with how they play here. But yes, like even if they lose, like can you can can we just see some competitive crunch time possessions that I'm sure people will yell at Brett Brown about, about if they uh, if they don't go well? Like just let's just try and see a close game. That that would be my my big thing. Like just
0: just play them tough. Yeah, it will be interesting to watch them match up. Like you said, that having Butler on the team now and that Butler-Kawhi matchup, that will be fun to watch. Um, what the Sixers do with Toronto's backcourt, that will be interesting because they have been burned by some pick-and-roll play. On the perimeter, um, that's a real good team. That's a real, real good team without any real apparent weaknesses either. They can go 8, 9, 10 deep and not lose a beat. Uh, they can play on both ends of the court. Kawhi is playing at an MVP level. Once again, does not show any signs of the injuries bit slowing him down at all. Um, that was a great trade for them. They look much improved. I do think right now, you know, I think before the season, we both put Boston and Toronto ahead of the Sixers on the pecking order. Certainly, uh, Milwaukee has now joined that fray. But I think right now it's very easy to say that Toronto is the class for the Eastern Conference. Is it too much to call it a measuring stick? Yeah. But would it be great to see them play well? Yeah, that's true, too. It would it'd
1: be good for them, too, right? Like, you know, it, it's one thing to blow the doors off the New York Knicks when they can't make a shot. Like, national TV, Toronto's going to be really excited for that game. I know they're getting, like, a lot of coverage. I think they're getting, like, the Sixers car wash when, you know, everybody was being interviewed and all those things. To go in there and, and beat them would be would be big for this team's confidence. And I think a lot of the Sixers' tougher games when it comes to, like, Western Conference teams, that's going to be in the second half of the year because, you know, they, those games are on national TV and that's when it matters, and that's when ABC kind of loads up all those games. But, yeah, like, in, in a month when there's, you know, they're playing, like, Brooklyn and I think Indiana and somebody else at home next week. Th- th- this is going to be the game that people are going to talk about until that West Coast trip. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. It's a, a pretty good pretty, pretty good test. Outside of Toronto, no mm-hmm. real dominant teams, no real top of the conference or top of the league teams, but including tonight, Memphis at Toronto, at Detroit, Detroit again, Brooklyn, and then the Pacers. So this is a good test. The schedule eases up a little bit then in the second half of December, at least in terms of quality of opponents, at least until you get to the you know, Christmas-slash- New Year area. Then you start getting the Celtics and the Jazz and the Blazers. And the Clippers, the Western Conference leading Los Angeles Clippers, which nobody expected to be saying here. a sneaky good win they they have on the schedule. That is a sneaky good win they have on the schedule. But this will be the one that we talk about for a little bit of time now. And it's not going to overshadow the eight of nine they just pulled off. But it is a team that you expect to have to run through in the playoffs. So we at least want to see how that matchup plays out. You got a prediction?
1: Oh, they're going (laughs) to lose. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I just think Toronto is such a good team and playing at such a high level that even if the Sixers were executing on all cylinders, I think there's a. I'm not a betting man, but if I was, Toronto would probably get my number. Which means we're both going to look stupid, and the Sixers are going to pull out a a really good road win, and I will be happy to be wrong.
1: Yeah, well, the, Six, the Sixers are playing well now, though. I I think they're up to uh, and you know, we talked you know last week about how they were kind of. I mean, they were playing way above what their actual level of play was. Like the record, their record was, their record the was so play. much better, and they were they had like an even, you know, an even point differential. They're up to eleventh in that rating. That's yep. good to see. Yep. You know, it's good to see Jimmy not having to hit ridiculous fadeaway shots uh, on the right wing. He's he hit a ridiculous fadeaway shot tonight, but at yeah. least it was, you know, in the flow of the game.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm
1: impressed with how this team is playing right now, but Toronto, to me, has kind of, they, they've almost established themselves as like actual title contenders, yeah. to me. And the Sixers, as, as, Few good, pieces as, away. as good as the Butler yeah. trade has been, we need to see a little bit more to get the It'll level. be
0: real interesting to see what they do coming up with the trade deadline, how much of their future assets they're willing to sell off for contributors, because this is now where you're at the point where you have a core who can contend for at least a run of the NBA Finals, and with the Warriors looking maybe more vulnerable than ever. You start, and and, I mean, the Rockets for crying out loud, are they even at 500 yet? Like, I think they're right around 500, if not a game or two below. The path to a championship has opened up. The Sixers' core is stronger than it's ever been with those top four. It'll be interesting to see how they navigate the next couple of months. Elton Brand, you know, we talked before the season, or some people talked before the season, about this being a job you can learn on the job for because everything was so ready made. Not anymore, buddy. They got they have a, a championship caliber, at least an Eastern Conference championship caliber, caliber core that they now have to surround while still keeping flexibility for the summer. Elton Brand, buddy, you're up. You're up.
1: He's up. Nice. And early returns, I, I think he swung a pretty good trade. Although, I mean, and I know probably half our audience is going to hate this. The Cubs playing some he's defense playing in, great. He's in, playing real well. in Minnesota. I think he's, even,
0: he's, he's close to matching Butler's scoring out, output, too. He's playing real well for Minnesota.
1: Yeah. Which is good to see because that's a guy, you know, who grew up here and we'll, we'll stop. We'll
0: stop because I I do understand why people I do worry are... about Tibbs running him into the ground though. He might be averaging forty a night at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, if he continues to play well, he'll play forty eight minutes a night. Um uh, and I know this isn't a Robert Covington podcast. This is no, a Sixers no. podcast, so we understand it. But, you know, it's yeah, Elton's gonna have to he's gonna have to fill out this roster. Not with Kyle Corver as many people. Was going to happen, no. but I mean, I think. What, what do you think their biggest need is?
0: <sighs> I'd love a backup big, like I, we talked about, just getting Joel's minutes down. But they need a wing too. They need a wing who can defend one or like two or three positions and make a shot. Like they need that in the worst way.
1: They need a wing, and I also think like an Ilyasova type of player. I know that's the easy comparison, just because he was here last year. But somebody who can more credibly toggle. Between five and four than Muscala.
0: and I'd I'd love a real, you know, a real defensive point guard too, like like T.J. I think he's probably more of a third string point guard than a second string point guard. I like someone they can bring in, sh- make open shots, help improve ball movement. Which are, I mean, Sixers have really good ball movement, but who can move the ball around? And then slide the Simmons to the three or the four defensively a little more often. So you can play a lot of the small ball that we're talking about. But, yeah, a, uh, a four or five would work as well.
1: You got anybody in mind
0: in terms of a – I mean, I'd have to. I mean, Demari Carroll's is probably the one. It, it, really what it comes down to is who's going to end up being bought out, who's going to be a veteran, who these bottom-feeding teams aren't going to need. So we'll have to see them the play out. Carroll certainly, to me, a name that pops up the,
1: the bio market it's like i, I think i was Ariza, listening to, obviously i was listening to Woja's podcast the other day and obviously he's more plugged in than anybody he was like yeah it's like it's like baseball now where like you can actually get good good players yeah. on the buyout market and it's it's like a thing where you say well why am i going to use an asset to trade yeah when when For you sure. could just get a contributor and if, on the market? it's a
0: little market. bit of a gamble because you're gonna wait to see you know, which teams fall out of contention first, but then which players, you know, can Trevor Ariza get back an asset? Can you get a a good second round pick by trading where Because if they can do that, they're not going to buy him out. So you have to see who not only falls out of contention, but who also then doesn't fetch anything in a, up to the trade deadline. So it is a bit of a waiting game, but I do think it, 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 we'll see what shakes out.
1: Ariza would be great. Also... You know, just from Trevor Booker being here last year, listening to Brett say Treva, uh,
0: <laughs>
1: I enjoyed that.
0: But that's also why you might not want to jump the gun on a trade, too, because he ended up trading a second-round pick for Trevor Booker. Yeah. All right, sounds good. I think that's probably a good spot to jump off. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on. I apologize for the beeping in the background. There is heavy machinery around the Wells Fargo Center after a game, but have a good one.
1: <laughs> you too, man.
0: Track clientele. My mic check is life or death.